listening to Infertility and Beyond. We are your hosts, Amy and Sasha. For us, it has not been easy trying to conceive. Come join us on this journey as we talk all things infertility, share our stories and the stories of others, bring you information surrounding fertility treatments, grief, and everything in between. We are here to connect and empower women as they navigate all things infertility and beyond. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the IMB podcast. Today we bring you a story from my friend Shani. Shani has struggled, hasn't struggled with infertility, but she sure has had more than her fair share of struggles with two miscarriages and a little girl with permanent disabilities. Today Shani shares the reality of being told her little girl would be born with a disability and how no one was able to tell her exactly what that would look like. She also shares her emotional roller coaster of being told scan after scan that her baby would not survive. However, she has defined all odds. Little Harlow is a little fighter and is now three years old and progressing further than her doctors ever expected. Here at IMB, we think it's so important to not only talk about the struggles of when trying to fall pregnant, but even once women are pregnant, the scary and uncertain challenges that can come with having abnormalities around scans and appointments. No one should ever feel alone at such a difficult time. So we know that this episode will pull on some of your heartstrings and be very close to home for some. But before we get into today's episode, we've got our fertility fact from Ashy. Hey guys. So being pregnant can cause carpal tunnel syndrome. Pregnant women can experience swelling in their hands due to a buildup of fluid in tissue. Sometimes this fluid can collect in the carpal tunnel, causing pressure on nerves leading to tingling and numbness in the hands and fingers. According to the NHS, as much as 60% of pregnant women may experience these symptoms. Wow. Uh, I hope I don't get that. Crystal Crystal on one of our earlier episodes said she had it quite bad and had to have surgery while she was pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And she was a hairdresser, Amy, so uh, it's not looking good, doll. (laughs) Look out. No, no <laughs> fingers crossed. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, yeah, but wow, that yeah, it wouldn't be very nice. All right, shall we get into the episode? Yeah, it sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us today, Shani. We're Thank so excited you. to Happy to be here. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we start talking about your story. I am 29. Mm-hmm. I am from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. I am a mum of three and currently pregnant with our fourth. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Busy, busy yeah. <laughs> so my um, my journey to get my fourth was actually not as easy as it was with my other three. So um, I actually had two miscarriages prior to this fourth pregnancy. So um it's not always as easy as you think it's going to be. I guess everybody kind of struggles with um, their fertility, whether it's at the beginning or at the end of their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess no one's really kind of immune to having a miscarriage or not, whether you are super fertile or or not. Yeah. Or whether you've had multiple kids. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You would yeah. think, you know, you've had three pregnancies and you've done it before and you think that it's just going to be... Easy so as. straightforward and like the other times and yeah it doesn't always go 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to touch on your miscarriages, but before we do, how about we rewind a little bit and go back to... Yeah, first... so I'm actually not here about the miscarriages. <laughs> <laughs> Those are important. No, are. Those are important. I'm actually here about my uh, second pregnancy and my daughter, uh, little Harlow, who is uh, disabled. She has a very rare condition that is not genetic um, and I guess just talk about journey and I guess what that looked like mm-hmm. yeah 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 so obviously you had your first hunter um, you and James were you trying for little Harlow when you fell pregnant or yes yeah, so I had hunter and hunter was a very straightforward boring by the book, I guess, pregnancy uh, and delivery, no real excitement. Everything kind of just went as you think it should. Um, and so uh, nine months later, um, we decided that we wanted to have um, our second. Mm-hmm. And we fell pregnant uh, very quickly, um, luckily. Um, and it was it was really nice because my mum had died six months prior, so it felt like you know this new beginning and this really exciting time for us. And I remember telling my dad, and we were all excited. Uh, and that was kind of short lived because we went to her twelve week scan, and our twelve week scan with Hunter was you know like one of the best days of our life. James and I still kind of talk about it and how you know exciting it is when you see your little baby up on that screen for the first time Um, and so I just kind of immediately knew in my scan with Harlow and just kind of the way that the lady's body language kind of went and she wasn't really saying anything and obviously James and I were looking at the screen and we kind of didn't really see anything Um, and then she kind of just asked the question of when was I seeing my doctor next and that's when I was like oh fuck Mm. um and I guess naively back in those days um in my mind I was thinking oh well you know I guess she kind of correlate a 12-week scan with I guess you know down syndrome and those types of really common things so like that's kind of where my brain was going um and so she wasn't really saying much and we kind of she kind of finished the scan and she kind of said goodbye to us and I kind of bombarded her in the corner I was like look what is this um what's wrong um does my baby have down syndrome that was kind of the first thing that i asked um and she's like no no she goes your baby has um a bit of their stomach on the outside of their belly like on the umbilical cord and i was like oh shit like what does that mean she goes oh look i can't really tell you anything you're gonna have to go and call your doctor and so i didn't really have an appointment lined up straight away but obviously you call them freaking out um so i went to my obstetrician the next day and he was pretty cool about it to be honest he was like you know look this is something that can happen and uh, i think around 10 or 11 weeks gestation when you're pregnant your your babies kind of spit all their stomach and organs out of their stomach and kind of spin them all around and put them back in it's just part of you don't really know that um no i've never heard but that yeah that's just part of the development process, process. Yeah. yeah they kind of 
take it out, turn it all around, put it, put it back in um, the way it's supposed to, I guess, correctly be. Um, and he's like, and sometimes what can happen is sometimes, you know, a bit of bowel on the stomach can be um, left on the outside. And he goes, and it's normally not a biggie, like, um, you know, they have surgery when they're born, but generally, you know, everything, everything goes well thereon. Um, he goes, but I want to do, back in those days, you know, we're going on probably over four years ago now, uh, the NIP test was kind of only a real new thing, kind of in addition to your 12-week scan. So I hadn't had that done, and he said, let's get that done because, you know, sometimes these things can be associated with, like, chromosome conditions. So I was like, yeah, okay, no worries, thinking that this kind of NIP test was going to be the be-all and end-all as to whether my daughter was going to be okay or not. And kind of knowing what I know now, you know, I kind of look at the NIP test as kind of like a real small game considering to where yeah. where we've been. So I went and had the NIP test done and they called me and they were like, you know, it was a few days later. Obviously, there was like a lifetime. You're Googling things. You're freaking out. Um, they called me and they're like, no, the NIP test is, is all clear um, and you're having a little girl. So it was like this really, you know, we just thought, Oh my gosh, we have dodged this massive bullet. Like yeah. we are so lucky. Like you know, we were a bit stressed out about you know the, the the bowel and the stomach and what that would look like. But we were like, you know, it's going to be fine. Like we can deal with all of this. Mm -hmm. Um. So from that moment until my twenty week scan, you know, we kind of just went back to happy days, normal pregnancy. Um. You know, no stress. Uh. And then came the twenty week scan. And so we went into it and I remember, you know, sitting on the bed and I remember telling this lady like, oh, you know, she's got a bit of bowel on the outside, you know, thinking that I kind of knew everything that I was talking about. Um, and I jumped up and just immediately I could kind of see other things that wasn't the bowel. So Harlow would kind of hold her arms up kind of bent with like her hands on her her face or her shoulder which I mean babies do that right they suck on their thumbs they weigh their arms mm. around they're touching their face you know a lot of the time your babies have their hands on their face the whole scan and you can't you know get a good look at their face uh, but hers kind of stayed there she never kind of extended or stretched her arms out the whole scan and she would also hold her neck quite extended um, and I guess obviously that's just not typically what a little baby does in utero mm -hmm. so I kind of was watching it and I was kind of like what is she doing like what is going on and then again you know the sonographer just stops talking and stops looking at you and I mean we were in there for hours trying to get Harlow to move and change position and she just wasn't. Do they try and manipulate your stomach to get them to move or is it just it's a waiting yeah, you just wait? So she wanted to do an internal to see if I guess she could kind of probe, probe her to move. That way. Yeah. Um they got me up, they got me to empty my bladder. Yeah. I was jumping around. You know, she actually left the room to go and get the doctor. Um and I was, you know, doing it at that point. Cartwheels, like, yeah, I was like, please move. Like, <laughs> this, is, 
you know, we'd been there for hours at this point. Um, and James and I were kind of both looking at each other like, this is, you know, this isn't good. Um, then the doctor came in and um, he kind of did an internal ultrasound and he was kind of having a look and again wasn't really saying much. And then he left out of the room and then he came back in and he's like, we just want to get you to come into this other room and, um, and meet with our genetic counsellor and obviously when you hear those words you're like this is not a fun scan this is not this is not know, going yeah, how you like, thought it you was don't just go into the genetic counsellor's room when you've had a great just for a scan. chit chat like, this is mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so we go in um and we're waiting and you know we had been there for what felt like a lifetime and she comes in and she says oh, well, first of all, she told us that Harlow had an extra toe. Uh, she told us that Harlow had no nose. And then she also told us that the, the bowel that was on the outside, it was so big that her rib cage was never going to grow big enough for Harlow's lungs to develop. Um, and therefore she would never be able to breathe at birth. Um, and then just basically kind of rounded all of that up with, you know, your, your daughter is not going to be compatible with life. Um, obviously when someone says that about anybody in your life, let alone, you know, your child or you're pregnant Mm. with a baby, that's obviously hit you pretty hard and just kind of yeah we just we're kind of gone from thinking that we had this problem to being in the all clear you know we'd had the nip test you know everything's fine we've had the nip test um to then no no it's not fine um so again we went back to our obstetrician and i was just like what what is going on what is this like what is happening um and that's when he referred me to the msm clinic which is the maternal fetal medicine clinic at the mother mothers and i guess i would just say now if anybody is ever having a high-risk pregnancy uh, that is where you want to go so we went there i think within two days and we had a scan and I mean these people are specialists they're the best of the best they know what they're doing Um, and they kind of took me in and they did a really thorough scan Uh, and then the obstetrician came in and his name was uh, Dr Thomas and uh, still to this day I love that man Um, and he kind of said to me he had read the report from the the other uh, place and he said your daughter has the correct amount of toes. Your daughter's nose is there. Um, and the, the pouch of the bowel on the outside of her stomach uh, is fine. You know, it's, it's small enough. It's it's not going to... Cause that much... To cause that. Yeah. yeah. So, and then James and I were just like... 
what the hell? What's what? going on? <laughs> yeah. In two days, oh you know. And you spent two days being sick because you thought that you yeah. potentially did had a daughter that wasn't Absolutely. compatible with life. Yeah. And now he's telling you, no, actually, actually it's fine. Actually, it's one of those things. Yeah. But he was saying, but There's obviously something else. the way that she's holding her neck, yep. she's still holding it like that today. Uh, she's not moving her arms. Yeah, and I could see all of that. Yep. Um, and he was like, so what we generally do is we do an amniocentesis, uh, which is a really big needle that they actually stick into your stomach. Uh, so they do a scan at the same time to make sure that they're not going near the baby, but they actually draw the baby's DNA out, the fluid yep. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he did that, um, and I remember I Googled it, and you know, I was like, oh, you know, chance of miscarriage, and blah, 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 and he was, you know, he was very reassuring, and, and lovely, and he's like, you know, now we've got to wait, it could take up to, to 10 days for these results. And he couldn't tell us anything really um, about what he thought it was, or what it might be, uh, so obviously those 10 days were torture. Mm-hmm. And I think I even called on day nine. <laughs> did you, in that 10 days, did you feel like, you know, like I feel like this is the hardest thing, the stigma around getting a, like something at your skin going wrong, an abnormality. Yeah. And, you know, no one wants to talk about it. And I guess there's not really a safe space yet that people can talk about it or can, you know, who did you tell or did you not tell anybody? Yeah, or... I don't think we had said much at that point I think we had when I had announced at 12 weeks I had said that our pregnancy was high risk um and that she would need surgery when she was born but I didn't really dabble into it that much um and so I guess nobody really knew that we were going for our 20 week scan um we obviously had told you know family um but it wasn't clean cut like it's not like we could have said you didn't know what to say even no you know with a lot of the you know like you can go to your 12 week scan and they can tell you that you know i'm really sorry but your baby has down syndrome you know and you can kind of go away with that information and you have this diagnosis and you can do your research and you Mm. can start to make a decision and have those conversations Mm -hmm. or you know i don't think a lot of people realize that you can have a a clear nip test and a perfect 12-week scan and go to your 20-week scan and your baby has cerebral palsy or, sorry, not cerebral palsy, spina bifida um, or other physical abnormalities, you know, that the 12-week scan just cannot determine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people always think that there's this, there's this safe zone. You know, I don't think there's ever a safe zone in a pregnancy, um, whether it's first trimester, you know, you, you get your nip test and you think that's, you know, going to be the be-all and end-all and you're going to have this healthy baby. Mm. Um, or again, you have your 12-week scan and you think, you know, everything's perfect. Mm. Uh, or even your, your 20-week scan, you know, there's, there's always... I don't think there's ever a safe zone. I think that, that things can go wrong at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, we, we waited for these results and I, I, I assumed that these results were going to be, you know, give us the answers that we were looking for. And they called me and they said, 
all her DNA is fine. We haven't been able to find any abnormalities. Yeah. Another test no, has come back. Yeah, there's fine. no deletion, there's no mutation. Um, and so James and I were like, well, is it just physical? You know, is it just her arms? Is it just her neck? Mm -hmm. So then we started this journey of scans every two weeks and, you know, we'd have different specialists in every time and all of them had different opinions and we'd go to a scan one fortnight and they would tell us, you know, um, the way your baby is holding her neck, she is never going to be able to breathe on her own. We don't think that your baby is going to survive the pregnancy, uh, let alone survive birth. And so you'd leave with all of that information and you'd kind of, you know, have these two weeks of just being... Devastated. Yeah, just depressed and not knowing what to do when, you know, you're asking for anything, you're asking what it is and they can't tell you. And Did you Google doctor everything or did you try oh, to Oh, of off? course, but it's... It, it, what do you even Google doctor at What do you point? even Google? You know, baby mm. not moving arm, baby mm. extending neck. Yeah. Like it's not going to tell you, you know, Because you can Google those things and people say, oh, well, that happened to me, but my baby was born completely fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then we'd go back the following fortnight and have a scan and then they'd say things like, oh, you know, it could just be something metabolic or it, she could just need some physio. Mm. And James and I would go from feeling like our baby was dying to... Physio, well, we can do physio. Like mm. Physio, yeah, physio, physio, physio. Yeah, yeah. Physio's fine. You yeah. know, yeah. she needs some <laughs> surgery and splints on her arm. Like we can do that. That's, That's fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know why would we terminate a baby because a physio? She could potentially need some physio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just this roller coaster. You know, for the remainder of the pregnancy, every fortnight of going one fortnight and them telling us, you know, things look good today. And she would actually move her neck. She would actually move her neck and put her neck in a neutral position. So we knew that she could do it. Um, but she just much preferred it being being back. And to be honest, still to this day, she very much so likes to do that. And then we would have other scans where it would be really bad and we'd be pulled into, you know, these rooms and told that, you know, your daughter is never going to leave the hospital. She's gonna to have to be on a breathing tube. Um, we think that you guys should sign a, you know, no CPR at birth because once we kind of start manipulating and adding all of these things in, it's most likely never going to be that she comes off them. And they always offered us the opportunity to terminate. Um, but my, answer was always but based off what like you cannot tell me what this is yeah it's hard so how like you said you would never you almost couldn't live with yourself if you terminated thinking she could just need physio that's the thing like if you if there was a straight answer yeah and straight like you diagnosis. had yeah conclusive evidence a concrete yeah. diagnosis or label mm -hmm. you can go and make a decision mm -hmm. you yeah. know yeah. And but you're getting told multiple different we're things every told scan. Multiple different things. One minute she has an extra toe. <laughs> Next like minute, them getting it wrong so much too is so hard yeah. to like trust. Like, are they even? Does and she even? Is she? You know, does she even need physio? Maybe she's fine. Like, exactly. Yeah. And here we are. We're with therapist, 
<coughs> where we're specialists at, you know, the biggest hospital in, in Queensland, you know, Mata Mothers, but then, you know, they've got the NICU, they've got, you know, they're supposed to be... The be all and end all. Yeah. Yeah. And they're telling us we don't know what's wrong. Mm, that's crazy. And we can't tell you what it, it, it could be this or it, or it couldn't. You know, we can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can stop at any time and you can terminate at any time, but not at this hospital because this hospital is a Catholic hospital. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so mm. it's like they're, they're not blaming you for wanting to terminate and they're offering you that option. But just not there. But not really supporting you, you though. Yeah, but then you're feeling the shame of, oh, well, it must be really bad. And do I have to go down a back alley somewhere? Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you mean you don't do it at this hospital? So where would you have had to go to a public hospital? Or... So Mother Mother's is public. Oh. Um, it's just a Catholic public. So I think when you're having... Um, and to be honest, we just never got there because I just never felt 100% to pull that trigger. And I guess if you, as a parent, are ever going to make that decision, decision you want, you want to do it feeling confident. Concrete know, evidence. From what, um, I believe that the Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital does it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when you're having... Uh, an, an abortion or a termination that late in pregnancy, um, y- you know, you are giving birth and it is a death certificate and it is, you know, a life. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, um, you know, I guess. I've now had a DNC um, from one of my miscarriages and, you know, you just kind of go in and you go on an anaesthetic and it's totally they different. take it away and it's over, yep. you know. At this point, you know, we were in, I would say we were way past 30 weeks, reaching 40. Um, and so, yeah, it would have been a baby. It would have been... Yeah. It's an, a whole other set of trauma. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and if, if you're making those decisions or if your your baby has passed away on its own terms, you know, but when someone can't tell you definitively what it is or what's going to happen i just never felt confident to make that decision and i I still look back now and i'm still kind of i still look back now and i i I still support all my decisions that i made then even with what we know now yeah you know um not to mention that, like, again, like you said earlier, like, your mama just passed away. You're going through the yeah. trauma of that. Yeah. Carla was his biggest blessing. You know, she was, so, you know, so. Yeah, there was so much, yet yeah, trauma and grief. Already. Yeah. And and maybe that's that's probably why I, I held on, is maybe not wanting to lose. Your daughter. My daughter and Another my family mom member. within less than a year. Of yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. You know? Yeah. That's but, a lot just for one person. But also not having that support. Yeah, not having your mum around when you're going through something yeah, like that is pretty like, shitty. And, and I guess, you know, I love my dad, but he's just... It's not the same. He's, he's the type of guy that, you know, in, in those, you know, situations... He's never gone through pregnancy. They just kind of put their head, their head in the sand yeah. and they just... Get they just don't know. Dads. You know, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. My mum had you know, deliveries back in the day where the men weren't even allowed in the room. Yeah. You know, she had some where they were 
yeah under anesthetic and yeah men just want to let him and so he just he just didn't get it it just wasn't his thing yeah you know um so you're you were saying you're breaching 40 weeks yeah so you're are you making some sort of plan for birth now so, yeah we're talking about i mean still at that point they were telling us that she could die at any moment and so that's kind of where i was sitting you know i was like if if she's going to to die she can do it on her own what will be, will be yeah yeah and i and i would talk to her and i would say that to her i was like you know you you're driving this ship like mm-hmm. as long as you're holding on so am i yeah like, i don't feel like it's my right to make this decision for you yeah you know i got goosebumps (laughs) (laughs) um and that's kind of just where i was at i was like well if she's gonna die she's gonna die anyway yeah um and so i don't feel confident making that decision Mm -hmm. so if 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 she's going to make that decision she's gonna make it on her own Mm -hmm. So we kept continuing and I mean still they just they just had no idea mm-hmm. they just could not tell us what it looked like or what it was going to be and you know they were talking about all different things like uh, tracheotomies and breathing tubes and feeding tubes and you know um, we actually had to sit down and they got us to sign like a no CPR um, we actually had to sign it um, and I remember asking, can I change my mind? And they're like, well, no, you can't, because if you go into labour in the middle of the night and you sign this, we're not going to have staff on that can come and help. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, what happens if I give birth to her and I think, fuck it, you know, like, go to the ends of the earth to save her. Like, I just, it, it just never felt right. Mm-hmm. But we did it because we were also like, well, we don't want to put her on a breathing tube and a breathing machine if that means that that is what her life looks be like. like yeah. the rest of know, life, nobody yeah. wants to do that. Um, but it, you're just torn because you're this baby's mother and it's, I guess it's your job to yeah. protect them yeah. and not put limits in as to how far you would go. Yep. You know, you're yeah. supposed to go to the end of the earth for your children and mm-hmm. here I am signing this limited CPR plan like it, it just did you feel like I feel like at this point you would have been like I mean at this whole point you would have been like oh this is just so unfair why me because I mean you were I remember you had kids a little bit younger you probably didn't have heaps of friends that had babies no, but I... everyone you knew had this healthy yeah quote-unquote pregnancy or healthy baby so yeah. were you just like how the fuck does this happen to me like yeah. is this so I think I was 24 I think I turned 25 towards the end of the pregnancy and obviously my mum's first anniversary of her death come up. We didn't have a lot of pregnant friends around us. We didn't have a lot of friends that had, well, we had no friends that had ever had complication. a complicated pregnancy or had lost a baby or, yeah. or, or I don't even think that I really had known anybody close to me that had had a miscarriage at that point. So I think I, even back then though, people didn't talk about it. If someone had had a miscarriage, a lot of people probably well, wouldn't true. speak about it. Yeah, and I guess probably me being younger, probably there probably were people around me that may have, but they may have felt that I may not have related to them, yeah. you know. And, I mean, I certainly couldn't, nobody could relate to what I was going to, mm-hmm. going through, and I was being really quiet at that point because I couldn't tell anybody what was happening. It's not like I could have said... Well, you didn't know necessarily. Yeah. 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 
my baby has this, mm -hmm. my baby has that, and this is what it's going to look like when they're born. Like, we just did not know. And because we were going to these scans, and one fortnight they're telling us how bad it is, and then we're going back the return fortnight, and they're telling us things look okay this week. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll see you again in two weeks' time. You know, she's growing. Yeah. She started to do those little practice uh, things with their lungs that they start, I think it's the diaphragm, they start to exercise that for when they're ready to breathe. Yeah. She was doing all of that, you mm -hmm. know, so we're like, okay, and I remember one of the, the younger obstetricians, she kind of came in and she was like, oh, well, this baby's never going to, never going to put its head down in the birth canal, so you're going to have to have a cesarean and I'll be doing it. And I was just like, who is this chick <laughs> coming in? Guns blazing. Kind of, yeah. And like, what, what she would say and what, Dr. Joseph would say, like, they would never kind of agree. Like, they, they had different views. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I remember, because she was moving, I could feel her move. And I remember laying there, and I could feel her legs up. I'm like, oh, my God. She put her head down. And it was like this victory. Yes. <laughs> you were wrong. You were looking for these small wins and yeah. looking for these positives. And I remember I walked into that scan and I'm like, fuck, I hope Jade's on today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to prove her wrong. I should say her She's probably a lovely person. But I remember we went into it and I'm like, her head's going to be down. And sure enough, she was on and she came in and, you know, she starts looking for the baby. She was like... Oh, her head's down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but really, I'm like, yes. You know? Yes. And, and that's when I was like, you know, Harlow is fighting. Like, she yeah. You're like, is, I'm making the right decision. Yeah, Let's do this. She is kicking on. She's still got a heartbeat. She's, She's doing the right thing. Doing all the right things. Putting her head down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go, girl. Um, And so she kind of wasn't. Your baby needs to swallow a certain amount of amniotic fluid in the last however many weeks of your pregnancy. Um, and if they don't, you can tell because they measure the fluid around the baby. And I had a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, yeah, look, she's not swallowing enough of the amniotic fluid. You know, the typical in babies that aren't displaying. Typically... Um, and her growth had started to slow down as well. So I think I went for another scan the next week. I would have been 30, I was 37 plus weeks. Um, and I went in and they measured and they're like, no, nah, she hasn't grown in the last week and there's a lot of fluid. Uh, so they're like, we're going to do a, um, I think it's called amnio, sorry, it's called polyhydroamnios, I believe. So it's when there's too much fluid around the baby. So they do a drainage. So again, they put a needle in and they just drain. Mm -hmm. And they were just draining, I think they Draining had... to test or draining to alleviate the fluid? Draining to alleviate the fluid mm -hmm. um, because they were going to induce me. Okay. And they yep. said, we can't have too much fluid in there. Because mm -hmm. if we go to pop your waters, like, her head isn't going to come down. 
the right. right way in the birth canal. I'm already worried about her. Yep, yep, yep. So we're just going to drain it all out. Mm-hmm. And then we can just pop your waters in the morning mm-hmm. and start to induce you. And so, sorry to interrupt, but you had the choice that you still wanted to go ahead with a natural, well, I'm sorry, that's not the right term anymore, but yeah. vaginal. a vaginal yeah. birth. They so weren't once forcing you. She put her you. head down um, and, and her bowel little pouch was small enough and, and, and uh, in contact enough because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, you know, with those conditions, the bowel can be everywhere too much yeah that it's not safe to try and come, come out, out yeah vaginally yeah um but for us it was okay so they were happy to um let me try and do amazing vaginally yeah so that was another win yes well. another yeah. win because i had an 18 month or oh, he wasn't even 18 months then um you know i had this little baby that i was you know yeah. my little boy that was kind of like my lifeline yeah uh, through all of that, he kind of kept me going. Yeah. And I don't really know how I would have been coping without him, but I remember thinking, well, fuck, if I have a cesarean, like, I'm going to be driving to the NICU every day because they told me, you know, she was going to be in hospital mm-hmm. after birth. I'm not going to be able to drive. I'm not going to be able to pick up my little boy. You know, yeah. the recovery is going to be so much harder. Absolutely. So I was stressed about that. So when they said, you know, we're happy for you to give it a go. Obviously, they were willing to intervene at any point. So they did this drainage, and, you know, they're draining litres out of me. Um, and when they're doing that, it can feel like contractions, and it's very painful. Um, and so, yeah, the pain started, and I remember feeling a bit uncomfortable, and I'm not really one to to complain much about pain, but, you know, I remember them doing it, and I remember thinking, oh, shit, this might hurt. <laughs> and um, then, and it was late in the afternoon at that point, so like we're gonna keep you here for the night, and then we're gonna induce you early in the morning once all our staff is is back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they went and put me in a room. I was by myself, and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like one night of freedom. Like <laughs> the modern mothers, they have like a room service menu, and you oh can order what food you want. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so nice, and had a room to myself and I went and had a shower but these pains were just niggling and I could feel myself contracting and I was like oh no so before like I'd ordered my my room service and before that could even arrive a midwife came in and um she kind of asked me how I was feeling and I kind of said oh look I, I think I'm starting to have contractions and yeah she she's like oh yes she goes oh, I'll be back you know and she went and got the the little, um, what are they, little The monitors. Yeah, and she put them on. She was like, yeah, you are, aren't you? She goes, just, you know, just stay there and, 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 and I'll come back. Um, and she came back and she goes, we're going to induce you tonight. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> my birth is on its way. I'm so tired. And it just had just been a long day and... Yeah, here I was thinking that I would have this, you know, peaceful night. And my room service hadn't even arrived and they'd taken me down to the birth suite and you're not allowed to eat once you're there and they're about to induce you. And I oh my was God. <laughs> I would have been so upset. Oh, I was starving. Oh. And not only that, but like I had well, to call... Well, was James with you. Yeah, yeah, I had to call James and I was like... You need to get here. Yeah, it went from going, oh, babe, you know, I'll see you in the morning, you know, yeah. to you've got to get here. 
ASAP. <laughs> yeah. We're having a baby. Yeah. Oh, she was eager to get into the universe. Yeah, yeah she and was so ready. So then, I guess they must have kind of realised that they were a bit short-staffed and mm-hmm. not all hands were on deck. So one of the um, obstetricians came in and he said, look, he goes, I'm not going to induce you. He goes, I'm a bit worried that we don't have enough staff here. Um, and I'd rather wait till the morning when there's more hands on deck. And I was contracting by myself at that point and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to last till the morning. Because um, your, your first labour, how long were you? My first labour after they popped my waters, um, it was only an hour. Yeah, wow. Um, so you're like thinking it's going you're to thinking it's gonna be similar. similar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they still had me on monitor, they still had me down in the birth suite, and he was like, you know, you might just have to sleep in here for tonight. Um, and he goes, and it's probably not going to be really comfortable, and I'm sorry. He goes, but I'd, I'd rather wait for the morning. He's like, rest assured, if you do go into labour tonight on your own, it will be fine. He goes, but I would rather wait for the morning. Oh my god. <laughs> this is ever yeah. gonna end. Like it was just it was just never easy. There was just never it was just never, you know straightforward. Seamless. Yeah. You know, it was just There was always something. It was just yeah, it was just hectic. Anyway, I didn't tell James not to come in because I was like I, I just knew. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to hold this baby to the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like and it's you know. So anyway, they kept putting me on the monitor and they could see my contractions and the midwife they you know swap shift and this new midwife came in she was so lovely um and i remember she said something about um the broncos game being on and her missing it i'm like put it on like turn it on the tv put it on (laughs) so even in like my crisis of knowing i'm about to give birth to a baby that i don't know is gonna live or die i'm still trying to be nice to the baby yeah Put your game on, doll. Watch your footy game, darling. Footy people, but yeah, we put it on for her, and she was, you know, she's laughing. She goes, "Oh, you don't have to do that to me." I'm like, "Oh, I don't care." (laughs) Honestly. Um, and then she just made the executive decision. She goes, "Look, I'm gonna pop your water." She goes, "You're contracting. This baby's Um, coming. You're dilated." Yeah. She goes, "Let's just get this show on the road." So I was like, "Okay." So I knew once they popped my waters that you know things were gonna get pretty intense. Um, but I wasn't even worried about labour. I was just worried about how she was going to be. going to live or die? And yep. what is this going to look like? Am mm. I going to be holding a baby as it, it dies in my arms? Or is there going to be all types of crazy mm-hmm. intervention going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was more so worried about James as well because he, I feel like it, I feel like, I, I don't know, I just, I guess I felt a lot more prepared. I don't know whether it's because I had dealt with my mum's death and I'd, I'd seen her die and I'd planned her funeral and I'd done all of that. Whether there was just some kind of autopilot in me that kind of knew the processes and knew how I was going to walk through that. Um, but I remember feeling very worried for James and especially if I had to have any type of intervention myself or a cesarean and I was stuck on the bed. And I just said to him, do not stay with me, follow that baby, like, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to make the decision. And I remember being really worried for him. Uh, and so 
40 minutes. Wow. And she she was my easiest birth. Yeah. She slid out. Uh, no no tearing, no stitches. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, she was so considerate. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I literally gave birth to her. I don't even remember being able to look at her or see her. Um, and they just whisked her. her off. Yeah, there was no delayed cord clamping. Yeah. They were rushing. I think James just managed to get in there to cut the cord and she was gone next door. They opened this door and they took her in there. And I just said to James, go. So James went in there. Um, and anyway, I could hear the lady calling. <coughs> Sorry. I could hear the midwife call out and she's like, she's crying. She's cooing. She's weeing. And I was just like, oh my God, because she's stuck on this bed, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get the placenta out and, and make sure that you're okay. Um, and she was they were in there for a really long time and like I was ready to get up at that point um and then they brought her in and they showed me her and she was alive and she was she was breathing and I mean they had her wrapped up at that point in a blanket so I couldn't see anything anything else um and I just remember thinking oh my god like she and they're like you know we've got to go we've got to take her down to the NICU and we've got to get the NICU doctors to look at her and you know you get yourself sorted and you can come straight down and you can see her so uh, they took her and I said to James what do you want to do and and James you know he was as white as a ghost Um, yeah obviously you know to see bowel on the outside mm-hmm. you know and i mean james is a hunter or... so james has you know yeah um, sees all that in animals yeah you know he has a strong stomach yeah yeah absolutely um but he was yeah as wise as a ghost the poor guy um obviously he'd seen her and obviously we'd gone from having this beautiful baby with Hunter that I got to hold straight away and we took home the next day to seeing this little girl that was obviously had physical abnormalities. Um, I think it was, yeah, a lot. And he was obviously on his own because I'm on the bed and mm-hmm. I was none the wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so poor James took the brunt of all of that. Um, did he go with her to the NICU or did he stay with you? So he helped me get up off the bed. Yeah. And I, I remember I went into the, the bathroom and I did a wee straight away and I was so proud of myself and anybody will know, like, after birth, you know, you've <laughs> got to do a wee for them to take the cannula out. And that's all that I wanted. It was the cannula that was annoying me. That was my biggest thing. So they took it out. I jumped in the shower. You know, I, I felt great physically and emotionally and spiritually. I'm like, I just want to be down yeah. with my daughter. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I just started walking and she's like, no, the midwife's like, stop, you know, slow down, you've just given birth, when it got me a wheelchair, she's like, sit in this wheelchair, and I'm like, I'm, I'm running, get out of my way, I'm, like, I'm going, going. <laughs> yeah, um, and we get down and there was already a doctor there, um, <clears throat> there was already a doctor there and he was doing an, an echo, so an ultrasound on her heart, and she had actually 
had two holes in the heart that they didn't pick up or they couldn't pick up. Yeah. So that was that was new. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously couldn't really say what that meant for us. So there was nothing really that night that anybody could no say or do. That yeah. Night. No. Yeah. All we knew is that <clears throat> sorry, I have to Yeah, I'll just shut it quickly while we're having a quick, <laughs> having a quick break. How long is it? Forty-five minutes. So that's all right. We can go up to an hour. So just, what are you thinking now? Just talking about. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. I want to know how they think diagnose the brain. Yeah. Yeah. So no answers that night. Uh, all we know is that she had arrived and she was breathing and she was a beautiful pink color, everything that you wanted. Um, she was breathing on her own. She yeah, obviously, you know, her little arms were still kind of stuck up by her face, and you couldn't really stretch her arms out. But like, that's nothing considering you thought she wasn't even going to breathe. Yeah, so like, in, exactly. In a, maybe yeah. if you weren't even told anything was wrong, but like at this point, you're like, oh my god, that's we can fix that. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. And so James went home because they don't have beds yep. there. Um, in their share rooms at Marta Mothers. So they took me up and got me settled. And um, I still can't remember whether it was the first or the second night. Might have been the first night. It was like three in the morning and, and I couldn't sleep. And I'll never forget it. I was, you know, the hospital was dark. And, you know, it's, it's like this euphoric feeling. And you, you cannot sleep once you've had a baby. No matter how tired you are, you just... You know, and obviously she's away from me. She's down in the knicker when I'm up in the maternity ward. And you can go down and see your baby at any point, you mm-hmm. know, and you could stay in the, the knicker 24-7 if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went down to see her, and I will never forget, I'm walking in this dark hospital, three in the morning, I'm by myself, all the lights are off, no one's around, and I'm walking to the NICU and all I could smell was my mum's perfume. It was wild. Out of and body I, experience. Yeah, and I just I just knew that like she was there and like mm. she was like my You've driving force. Yeah. yeah wow. And that's when I knew I'm like, okay, we're gonna be okay. Like we've made the right decision and yeah. we're gonna be okay. Yeah. And so the next morning Harlow was only twelve hours old. And she had her bowel operation. First surgery. They popped it all back in. Wow. That was done. So this huge bowel problem that we were so worried about was was dealt with. Sorted, ticked off the list. Um, And so they put an NG tube in to feed her, obviously while her bowel was on the outside and while it was recovering from surgery and all of those things. Um, And so we just kind of kept moving forward. And so the first few days and a few weeks we were like far out we've got off pretty well here like there's the physical side of things but that's you can deal with that mm-hmm. um and then they decided to take her for an MRI and it had been like maybe a week since she'd had the MRI and she was still in NICU and she was still doing the NG um, feeds and they were 
weaning her off oxygen and putting her on high flow. Um, and we just thought that we were preparing to take her home. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had assumed that because no one had told us of the MRI results, that, that they the were fine. MRI, result, MRI results were fine, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until I mentioned to the doctor one day, I said, oh, like, what's the next step? Because, you know, she had the MRI and I'm assuming that's fine. And she kind of looked at me. She was like, has no one kind of spoke to you yet? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I'm going to check that up for you. She goes, I'm going to, I'm going to write something down. Please don't go home and Google it. Like, you're kidding me. <laughs> Why would she? Why would she say so that to you? You are kidding yourself. Why would she write it down? No, she, she wanted she you to wanted Google, you it. Google it. Come on. I guess she felt bad that no one has told me what had happened. Don't give you the information though, if you don't want I them know. to Google and I it. Guess oh. She probably knew how bad it was, and she probably felt that I had a right to know. Yeah. And maybe prepare myself at that point. Yeah. I would have been on Google or walking to the car. Oh, I would have been of like, course. Yeah. Because, okay, so the word that she wrote down was polymicrogyria. Okay. And so obviously no one knows what, what that is. What that no. word is. So obviously I Google it. Yep. And it's, it's a brain malformation. So it's the way that your brain grows so our brain if you were to look at a a normal brain in the brain matter we kind of have really big thick kind of mountains that's what our brain yeah kind of squiggles yeah. yeah harlows are like tiny little squiggles noodles. Mm. yeah noodles Good. yeah super tiny and with polymicrogyria or PMG, um, it can be, and obviously doing a lot of research now, it can be very mild to kind of not great to extreme, really, really bad. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started to prepare myself. And maybe it's just a little bit. A little bit. Like maybe we're okay here. Mm -hmm. And I remember we went into the meeting and it was a neurologist and I think he had this this team of students. There was like eight people in there and still to this day, I think, why did you have all those people? That's overwhelming. That's yeah, a lot of people. Lot. And we're in this small room and James and I are sitting on the couch and we've got Hunter there. Hunter's, you know, this 18-month-old baby that's screaming and wants to get out of the pram and wants to touch everything and wants a million snacks. And so I'm kind of trying to keep Hunter happy and trying to listen to this conversation at the same time. And he said, oh, has anybody had a chance to talk to you? And, you know, me, I'm just like, yes, you know, it's polymicrogyria. And I'm like, you know, there's the good, the bad and the ugly. Like, and I'm hoping that you're going to tell me it's the good. And he was like, no. He goes, it's the ugly i'm afraid he goes it's really expensive yeah it's really bad um it's very common for seizures to 
start and we think that your daughter is going to begin to have seizures very soon um, and we're going to try and put her on some medication to control them but we don't think that we're going to be able to control them. Um, we don't think that your daughter's ever going to leave the hospital. Um, and I think that your daughter is going to pass away. Mm. And I was like, well, what, what are we talking here? And he was like, look, best, best case scenario, a year. Mm -hmm. And obviously, <laughs> can't just be... You almost felt like like, oh, like I was like just, I thought we were out of it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's just such a mind. You'd heard all those sorts of things, yeah, during pregnancy, and now it's all over again. Yeah, like we dealt with something and we got it, you know, we got over that hump, and it's like okay, you know, we're getting to the light at the end of the tunnel, and mm -hmm. it felt like every time we were nearly there, we were just like sucked straight back down. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sitting there, and I just. James was a mess um, and I just went into damage control like hold your shit together Shani, you need to look after your baby, you've got your other baby in the NICU and you've got your, your partner that's you know struggling to process this and and then you've also got to go and tell everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and I had already mm -hmm. been through this when my mum had passed away and my dad, you know, again, he couldn't call any, you know, I had to call everyone and I always felt like I was just this bearer of bad news that had to tell everybody mm -hmm. and had to kind of answer everybody's questions. Mm. Which you didn't really have the answers to still and yet... Because yeah, you don't want to answer them, you don't, exactly. You know. It's like I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't mm -hmm. know what this looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just <laughs> surviving. Like I'm just treading treading water. Yeah, you know. Journey. So you were how long was Harlow actually in Niku for? Yeah. So I guess kind of fast forward all of that. Um, they moved Harlow over to the Children's Hospital and we met a great team of specialists and doctors who are still our specialists and doctors now. Um, miraculously, Harlow has not had any seizures. That's amazing. She's not on any seizure medication. Amazing. No seizure activity. We see her neurologist now and... I can't believe it. You know, we go and see him. I think we're seeing him every 12 months now, and he doesn't even know how what to say. Yep. Yeah, she's a fighter. You know, Carlo will be four in March. She obviously has a lot of um, physical struggles. Mm -hmm. uh, so she does physio, OT. Uh, she was in hospital for five months before we were able to get her home, mm -hmm. but we got her home. Mm -hmm. um, She's beaten a lot of the odds that they told you. They said she, really she would had. never leave the yeah, hospital. she really had. Yeah. And, you know, speaking to her neurologist, there are a lot of, or they're not a lot, should I say, but he only sees a couple of kids a year that are born with Harlow's condition. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them do pass away. Yep. So... I guess he put 
his money on the mark of what he typically sees. Yes, yeah. his experience. And I guess I, it's so sad, but like with doctors, I guess they kind of got to give you the worst case possible so you're prepared for that. And then obviously she's outlived and outdone everything he's said. And so that's just like... That's great. Over and beyond. Yeah. Like yeah. An achievement in itself. So, yeah. Because if he, if he says, oh, she's going to live and she's going to have a normal life and then all of a sudden she did pass away, you'd be like, you didn't tell me or... Yeah, well, know. I guess they've got to protect themselves, don't they? But sure. I, I think if I've learnt anything in this in this journey is that we also did full genetic testing when Harlow was born. We tested all all of her genetics, um, and we cannot find an answer to how this happened mm. to Harlow. And um, they couldn't have done any tests in. Utero, utero. Like, no, no. They can't the do. They can't do MRIs in utero. Mm. Um, and they can test the DNA in the fluid. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Um, in the womb, but they. Um, that's about as as extensive as it gets. I had yeah. as as many tests as, as you, you can could. get while pregnant. It's interesting that you still, even now, four years on, almost four years on, you still don't have. Yeah. An answer. And I guess, mm. I guess for me, I've kind of stopped looking. For sure. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like when these things happen, uh, and, you know, just going through everything that we've gone through, it's just, sometimes you're not going to get the answer that you want. And yep. I guess sometimes you just have to. Be okay with that. Yeah. Mm. And I guess for me, and I guess you can call me, you know, you know, a woohoo hippie or whatever you want, but I just, I just think that Harlow was supposed to be our daughter and she was supposed to come to us and all of the obstacles that she has overcome, you know, and she is at home and she is a happy little girl and she mm-hmm. is like any other little three-year-old girl. She loves to wiggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, considering how severe her brain malformation is she is so intellectually there she remembers who everybody is she knows who her therapist are as soon as they walk in the door she's shaking her head no because she doesn't want to do therapy (laughs) (laughs) you know she is you know she is non-verbal she does have a peg for feeds um you know she will probably never walk on her own or do any of those things her life is limited mm-hmm. but she is a happy girl she's still living a happy and she life. is healthy for mm. her in her own right and she's mm. not on any medications and we haven't had to do any crazy type of intervention that's amazing yeah mm. you know she just recently had open heart surgery to fix those two holes she was home within eight days like she is just kicking gold mm-hmm. and I guess it goes to show that you know you can do as many tests as you want and you can talk to as many doctors and specialists as you want but I don't think anybody has the answers mm-hmm. you know you've just got to kind of trust your own gut and your intuition uh, when it comes to your child and your baby and I, I truly think that that's that's why Harlow was here because I chose to keep going and mm. I chose to stick it out for her and you know it's paid off for us you know we don't have any regrets 
Um, you guys are incredible parents, though. Thank like, you. You obviously have Harlow, but you also have Hunter and Gunnar and another yeah, one Yeah, and way. I mean, it obviously hasn't stopped us because yeah. we, we had another little boy after Harlow um, 18 months later um, and we're pregnant again. Uh, and it's really special. We're having a, a little girl. Which is so good. We never thought we would have another little girl. And obviously, it's, it's bittersweet for us because we know that this little girl will get to do everything that Harlow can't do. But we also know that we're giving Harlow a best friend for life. Yeah, for mm. sure. Um, and when, you know, we're, we're having the boys and we're pregnant with the boys, you can kind of separate you know, a boy from a girl. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think this pregnancy for sure has come with a lot of kind of grief and PTSD for me and especially, you know, going through what I went through with Harlow, then having two miscarriages and going through a scan where there's no heartbeat and having a DNC. Scans aren't fun for me anymore. No. <laughs> Most people are like, oh my God, did I get the 3D yeah. images? You're like, is no, there everything yeah. there? Yeah, no. people love their scans. People film the scans. People no. go, the scans yeah. the best. Not yeah. for Shani. not fun for me not anymore. For and it was really funny. We had our, you know, and obviously, you know, scans, I get very kind of nervous. And mm -hmm. I, I don't tell anybody that I'm pregnant until basically I can't physically hide it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um... And we went for our 20-week scan and they were counting the toes and I started laughing. <laughs> and the lady looked at me like, why are you laughing? I'm counting, you know, your baby's toes. And I was like... Don't get me Do started. Do you have an hour? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, babe, you could tell me that three toes are missing and I would I wouldn't not believe bat you. an eyelid. Yeah. Like, I do not, like, toes are the last... <laughs> Yeah. Thing on my mind. Don't yeah. even worry about the toes. Yeah. Don't like, bother counting. I'm it's fine. all good. You know. Yeah. Oh my so god. It's really funny how perspective. Yeah. Perspective yeah. is everything. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. And what a journey. Like honestly. Yeah. From and and I think as well, a lot of people would have probably stopped at Harlow. And I know you personally as a friend, and you've always said to me you wanted four kids, yeah. and it's pretty admirable that you went back for a third and a fourth so. I just think it's so special that you're now having you're getting your fourth baby after two miscarriages and you know the journey you've already been through yeah and you're having a little girl yeah and you know you're having a good time so far during this pregnancy and it's yeah. just I think it's just amazing yeah. you're literally like Super mum. Super, super mom. woman. Literally hashtag super mum. Super woman just because even like you know you went through grief yeah, losing your mom. It's just been. It's been a and, lot. Yeah, and not to sugarcoat it, it certainly hasn't been an easy ride. An easy ride, and you know, James and I look back and we talk about, you know, how, how did we get through that? Like, mm. how did, how did I deal with that, and the death of my mom? I still don't. And know. having a small child and at home baby. too. And yeah. And then five months of NICU, like I was driving to the NICU every day, sometimes twice a day with an yeah. 18 month old in a pram. It's just, oh my God. did not want to be in there. Like <laughs> and a, again, no mum that could have said, oh, I'll have Hunter yeah. for three of those five days or yeah, come with you or exactly. anything like that, yeah. which is, you know. And yeah. we just look back and we just think, how did we get through that? Mm. You if you can get through that, you can literally get through it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's just a testament, you know, of James and I and, and what we have 
overcome yep. and mm-hmm. be standing on this side now. Yep. Yeah. And, and you're both still such kind, giving people. <laughs> I know. Like the kindest, most giving people literally, ever. Literally. I'm like going through my infertility struggles and you're like, can I do anything for you? I'm like, babe, you've got enough you to have deal enough with. Going it's on. okay. I think when you've been, you know, through it, and obviously my journey is very different to yours, but I think that going through what I've gone through. Any type of trauma. Yeah, but I mean, you just you just have empathy for people, yeah. you know, and you just want to you just yeah. want to tell people that you're going to get through it. Like, yeah, it may for sure. feel like this is the end of the world. Some days there that I just did not think that I was going to get through it. You mm. know, it, you know, times that I, you know, I just I was just numb. I was just mm. like I was just surviving. Mm-hmm. Just know? keeping your head above water. And yeah, to be able to stand on this side. And to say that I've, you know, gotten through it, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of friend would I be if I wasn't there for other people <laughs> going through their problems? You know, yeah, like, true. we yeah. all go through our... The tough shit is what... We all go through our shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, I think I certainly take the cake. For sure. 100%. Not that I want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, of course you want to be there for your friends, and of course you want to share your story, and I think that... I think that my story is is, is very unique. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody will ever go through exactly everything that we went through, but if, mm-hmm. if I can be there for someone going through a high-risk pregnancy or if my journey can help yep. a mum sitting there dealing with a diagnosis or mm-hmm. at the beginning of raising a special-needs child or Absolutely. even just having you know, fertility issues or having a miscarriage, you know, no matter how big or small it is, if, if I can share my journey and, and help someone, you know, well, isn't that what it's all about? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you. I feel like you've said it all and I couldn't even, I was going to have at the end say, what would you say? But you've just done it all. You're like a yeah. podcast pro. You're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. Yeah, you know what to say. It's but great. We will also link Shani's Instagram in the show notes if you have any questions to ask her. Otherwise, you can obviously ask us at Infertility and Beyond. Um, let us know what you thought of today's episode, guys. Um, Shani, so brave for coming on here. Thank but you. Also for just being a true path through Aww. day in, day out. Thank Absolutely. you for having me. A pleasure. Yeah, yeah it's been amazing. Yeah. Well, till next time, guys. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Just a reminder to everyone listening that we see you, we hear you, and that you are not alone in this. Yeah, and just remember, guys, head over to our Instagram at infertilityandbeyond underscore. Send us a message. Let us know what you thought of today's show. And all corresponding links will be in our show notes. All right. Until next time. See you, guys. Bye.